Hello, this is Curtis Edwards, Vice President of Investor Relations at Hudson Investing. Are you ready to start building your multifamily portfolio? Kent and I are excited to announce our newest deal in Spartanburg, South Carolina. This 157-unit property offers a unique chance to acquire a B-class value-add property for just $120,000 per door. This is well below replacement costs. De-risking the deal even further is a favorable loan assumption with over six years remaining at 3.73% fixed. With 50 economic development projects underway and 70,000 jobs within a 20-minute drive, the South Carolina upstate region is primed for above-average job, population, and rent growth. Don't miss out on this exclusive deal. Find the link in the description notes to learn how you can invest. And we all know this, you know, whether, whether you agree with it or not, money allows you to do things in life and allow you to live your best life. Welcome to Right Around Real Estate, the show about how to passively invest like a pro. On each episode, I interview real estate experts who give their top investing advice, strategies, and tools, and I break down their insights into practical steps to avoid the pitfalls and make better investments. I want to help you passively invest like a pro. This is Ritter on Real Estate, and I'm your host, Kent Ritter. Hello, fellow investors. Welcome to another episode of Ritter on Real Estate, where we teach you how to passively invest like a pro. Today, my guest is Chris Larson, and Chris is uh, a real estate investor in many different capacities. He started out in 21 uh, with $3,000 and has built that into over you know, a billion in acquisitions over the last... 10 plus years. So, you know, incredible growth. It's allowed Chris to uh, really find his financial freedom, uh, quote unquote, retire early, though I, I doubt you're just sitting around um, and really uh, live the lifestyle that, that he wants to live. So Chris, excited to, to have you on today and, and learn about your journey and, and pick up some tips from you. Ken, thank you for that. And yeah, I love, you know, I love that story. Thinking back to that first property with less than $3,000 because people are like, oh yeah, it's easy, you know, you know, once you hit that point, you know, people talk about buying this property and that property. It's like, yeah, but I started with less than $3,000, which, you know, almost anybody can do because real estate is really, it's a get rich, slow game. If you build a process, you build your system, anybody can make it work because there's just so many options out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I think that's a great message uh, for people to hear. So, so let's go back to, I mean, probably even before that, the $3,000, the initial 3000, just tell people a little bit more about who you are and, and how you got to be where you are today. Yeah, I'd be happy to. And um, yeah, if you want to kind of dive in, into more about my story, uh, I'll give your, anybody that's listening here, your audience, Kent, a copy of my book for free, nextlevelincome.com. If they click on the book link, I'll even send you a copy if you put your address in. Um, but as, as I share in my book, I, I didn't want to be an engineer that I went to school um, for. I wanted mm -hmm. to be a professional cyclist. I found uh, the sport of cycling when I was about 13, 14 years old. I did my first race. And from 14 until college, um, that's, that's all I wanted to do. I, wanted, I went to school. Um, I did well in school. You know, I was like that you know, typical you know, good student. Oh, you're going to be an engineer like your grandfather. You should get an engineering degree. And I knew two, two weeks into my engineering program, at Virginia tech, I didn't want to be an engineer, um, <laughs> but it was, it was a good degree to get. And why I say that is it taught me a thought process. And, you know, for anybody that's listening, that is an engineer or knows an engineer, 
you are, you are taught to make a set of assumptions, solve through a problem or a process, and then iterate and improve upon it, which helps in the investment process, right? So, um, you know, that, that really kind of laid the foundation, but I'm in school learning and struggling as an engineering student, um, racing and riding my bike as much as possible. And in between my junior, I'm sorry, my uh, freshman and sophomore years, my, my best friend passed away, a massive brain hemorrhage. And I, I went back wow. to school and yeah, it, um, it was one of, you know, those moments in life where it just, it hits you and it totally changes the trajectory because mm -hmm. in my mind, I knew I wanted to be a professional cyclist. Um, I went back to school. I really did poorly that year, uh, my sophomore year, because um, I was just kind of using my bike as therapy and I was training 20, 30 hours a week. I was doing really well. And the next summer came before my junior year. And I was, you know, in, in, in all honesty and, you know, kind of looking back, I, I was depressed but I put my heart and my soul into cycling. And that's kind of what got me through that period. And I got through the summer, I was winning a ton of races. I was a category one cyclist, which, you know, basically um, you start at cat five, you end up as a cat one, then you can become a professional. And I won uh, my friends, Chris, uh, Chris Strader is his name. I won his memorial race for the second year in a row. And I won it very dominantly. And I came across the line and I was watching a show last night on Netflix and they, was, they were talking about, like hate versus indifference. And I didn't feel anything. I felt like this indifference towards the sport, towards the win, towards the performance. And the next weekend was the nat was the state championships. I went there, I dropped out of the race and my mom was there and she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I, I quit. And she didn't realize I was telling her like, I quit, like I quit the sport, like in my head, like I just basically, quit. I was like, this is it, I'm done. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, you never quit a race before to school, stop racing, sold my bikes. I mean, I just, I, and I decided Kent that the life that I was living didn't have the meaning that it should have, you know, riding my bike around in a circle, you know, in a race, just their, their life, there was meant to be more than that. And I didn't want to have any regrets, not only in my life, but also as if my friend's life was there next to me that I was living it. So part of that, and we all know this, you know, whether, whether you agree with it or not, money allows you to do things in life and allow you to live your best life. So I set out to achieve financial independence so that I could live my highest and best life. And that's how I ultimately began my investment journey. Um, and then the following year uh, at age 21, I bought my first property, which was that, that property that um, we just spoke about. Gotcha. Well, that, I mean, it's a really interesting story. I mean, you could pour, pour your heart and soul into, into the sport and, and ultimately realize that, uh, you know, that there's a lot more out there and a lot more that you can contribute. It, it sounds like, so what, what does your, your highest and best life look like? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to scrape together $3,000 and buy a $90,000 townhouse. Um, it's a lot harder to build a portfolio of assets that is going to ultimately allow you to live in abundant financially, you know, free where you can do this. So I went and I said, okay, well, I gotta, I gotta make some money. I ended up, I spent 18 years in the medical device industry. The first two were actually in pharmaceutical industry. We spent a little bit of time learning sales and, and building up my resume to move into that. And what I found was a really interesting, fun industry where I got to work with, um, very intellectually 
stimulating people, geniuses. I got to work with brain surgeons. I got to work with um, orthopedic spine surgeons um, and a lot of real people that were way smarter than me. Fortunately, you know, as a, um, a, a semi-engineer, since I have a PE degree or my PE um, designation, I could understand these concepts, but I was selling. So I got to sell all these things. But what I did was I took the money and I put that into these investments. So, you know, I didn't really have a plan to go out and, and, and work with other people. I just wanted to have the ability to pay my bills on a monthly basis. But what I found was just like I found in sales, I was out there solving problems every day and then helping other people solve their problems and providing value to them. And when I, when I was looking to step out of that career, spend more time with my family, have more freedom. I had this like sense of anxiety because I was like, well, I need to, I need to do something with my life. You mentioned, and I love it. You said retire kind of in air quotes with your fingers for anybody that wasn't able to watch. Mm -hmm. And it's true. I did not want to sit around. It gave me so much anxiety to think like, I'm not going to be doing anything or providing any help. So now what I focus on is I, I focus on helping others achieve financial independence and next level income. Our, our company is built around the uh, helping people achieve financial independence through education and opportunities to invest and achieve that goal. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, very cool. And so what was it, you know, think it, think it back when you went out and bought this first property. I mean, what was it that turned you on to real estate in, in the first place? Why do you think that was the right way to go? Yeah. So, um, Again, if you're listening here, uh, don't don't spend 15 years making all the mistakes that I did. Um, hopefully, take take 15 minutes, listen to my story, and avoid those 15 years. I started off day trading, so I was day trading. So that you know, I said it took me about a year to buy that first property. I was day trading, and I was actually doing pretty well. I was making like five thousand dollars a month day trading as a junior in college in my in my free time. Um, but a lot of my uh, time towards that was robbed from me sleeping because I'd be like laying there, like sleepless at 3 a.m. in the morning thinking like, what, what am I going to do tomorrow? I got to make this trade, do this, stop, you know, put the stop loss in place. Um, and it's just, it was very stressful. And not every day was a winner. Like you had a lot of losing days. And in the 90s, the stock market like today was, was very volatile, you know, and you had the, the tech market um, and, the, and the dot com um, boom, which was amazing, but it was also very stressful. And one of those nights laying awake at 3 a.m. or mornings, I guess I should say, I said, like, man, I don't want to be doing this in 20 years. You know, there's got to be a better way. So I read over 250 books on investing. I got an MBA in finance and portfolio management specifically. And when I looked at all the options out there, real estate was the one that bubbled to the top. It was mm -hmm. the cream that rose to the top. And the reasons were um, control. Like you can control the price that you buy real estate. If you buy a stock, you really just buy it at whatever the price of the market is. You can wait and hope that it goes up or down, um, but you have the actual control to negotiate the price of a piece of real estate. You have leverage. You have the ability to buy a $90,000 property like I did, you know, my first property with $3,000. You can buy a $100 million property, but you don't need $100 million. You know, you can leverage, you know, mm -hmm. other people's money, banks' money um, to do that. Uh, you also have the ability to control the value of the asset. That could be something as simple as buying a fixer upper that you can then improve and sell it on the other side. Or it could be something, you know, like what we focus on now, and you know this very well, Kent, of buying a commercial property and improving the cash flow so that you can sell it out the other side. So I looked at all those business perspective and um, an investing perspective. I said, if I'm going to spend the time learning a skill set and focusing on one investment, it's going to be real estate. 
Gotcha. I mean, it makes a ton of sense. You're obviously uh, speaking my language. I mean, when you talk about being able to control the price you go in, right, and actually be able to negotiate that price, leverage, which leverage uh, in a smart way can enhance your returns, yeah. right? I mean, you can't can't easily leverage Good a, point. a yeah. stock purchase, right? I mean, you can you can go on margin, but yeah. there's a lot of risk uh, involved in that. And you can you can push the value and you can force appreciation. I think those are all all great reasons. So those 250 books and that MBA kind of got got you there, understanding those principles. So you dove into real estate and then you you started out with with more single families, right? And, and built up a pretty yeah, yeah. sizable portfolio, I understand. And then yeah. so so what was it that eventually made you shift into multifamily? Yeah. So, you know. For anybody that's listening that, you know, is, is kind of in, in the middle of their career, they have a family, you get, you kind of get in your groove, you know? So here I am, I'm in my early thirties. So we have um, our first two children um, or our, our, our children are our two boys. Um, my wife and I, we moved from the DC area to Asheville, North Carolina. And I, I was really focused on maximizing the earnings because sales in almost any capacity could be a very lucrative career if you're successful and medical device is no different. So I said, Hey, I'm going to be as successful as I can. So I built my career. I built my business. And after doing this for almost 10 years, you know, from kind of start to where it was, um, I, I looked up one day and I was kind of doing an analysis of everything. And what happened was my wife goes back to work. My wife's an architect. She's gone to school longer than I have. Okay. And what I figured out at the end of 2012, this was the first year that my wife was working and both our boys were in daycare. It cost us $11,000 for her to work. Cost us $11,000. That's <laughs> yeah. after taxes and daycare. Yeah. It's yeah. I'm glad you I've laughed. Done that analysis. It, yeah. It's one of those, it's one of those laughs like, ha ha. Um, but it's, it's, it's a real problem, right? It's a real problem. And when you sit there across the table from your very talented, um, and, and she's very beautiful as well, but my very talented wife. And you literally say to her, it would make sense for you to stay home with the kids. Is that something you want to do? It, it really sucks to have that conversation. And, and there's so many ways we can go with that, you know, but for, for a professional woman, you know, to, to, for it to not make financial sense for her to work, that just really bothered us. Mm -hmm. And she said, no, like I want to work. And I'm like, great, this is, you know, that's, that's, I, I want you to as well. So we formulated a plan as part of that plan. She started her own business. She started um, her own um, architecture company and we travel to this um, kind of business mastermind to help her grow her business. And sitting there in that group, I was talking to a gentleman. I was like, man, I was like, I just, I'm sick of managing these properties. You know, it's like, I'm not really making that much money with these single family rentals. Cause I had them for, you know, for over a decade. Mm -hmm. um, so the equity had grown, but the cash flow hadn't grown that much, Kent. And he's like, you should look into multifamily. And I'm like, yeah, I looked into it. Now, remember I looked into this years ago. Mm -hmm. I just didn't have the financial, you know, firepower to make it happen. So I had a very simple plan of just buying enough properties to give me $10,000 a month in cash flow Once I paid them off real simple plan. Um, and he's like, well, you should talk to my friend who does multifamily syndications. I'm like, well, what's that? He's like, oh, he brings in investors. I was like, okay, I'll talk to him. I start talking to him and he starts telling me about the demographics behind multifamily and, you know, all the things that we just talked about. Well, yeah. the reason I got into medical device was because of the demographics of the baby boomers. And he was talking about the demographics of the millennials. And I, I said, are you, is this from this author? And he's like, no, it's like, this is, 
you know, this is this research and that research. And it just really resonated with me. Did the research myself. And I spent about a year digging into it and talking to different operators. What I found was I could get better returns. I could get less work because these were passive investments. And then the bonus is somebody who is a high income earner. I had become an accredited investor at that point. I got better tax benefits too. And I was, yep. it was one of those things where you just want to bang your head against the wall because you're like, why have I not, why did I not figure this out five years sooner? So that's why yeah. I say, listen to my mistakes, <laughs> you know, learn from people like Kent and his podcast and um, don't, right. don't make the same mistakes that I did. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is a, uh, it's a fairly common journey. I mean, everybody's journey is unique, but it's a very common yeah. path, right? The, this progression yeah. from kind of don't know any, any different, right? You start out with seeing, I mean, I did the same thing, right? I did, I, yeah. in many ways I did, I did, had a, we had a very similar path where you, well, first of all, you work for a bunch of years before you realize like this can, this can get you out of that, out of that rat race. Then you look at singles, right? And, and, and you know, I had singles and duplexes. I did some fix and flips. I did, I did a handful of things as well. And you start to do the math around that and you start to say, okay, well, you know, it, one, one, it's a pain in the ass to, to be a landlord. And if you, and, and it's really tough to outsource it though, without the scale, right. It's really it's tough. Okay. You're going to pay a lot in fees. Um, but just in general, it's difficult to scale that. And so I think um, so many people go through this common path. I, I think you're right. If, 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 you're listening and you can, you can short circuit that path and you can go directly into multifamily uh, or an investment type that scales, right. And multifamily yeah. just happens to do that Absolutely. very well. Then I, I think you can, you can skip a lot of those headaches and kind of turn, you know, really short circuit that, that process. Right. And so, so now you're investing in multifamily. I, I know you do some mobile homes, you, you do, you do different things as well, but yeah. um you know, are you still investing uh, for the most part passively or are you, um, are, are you actively doing deals as well as a sponsor or is it a mix? Like kind of, where are you now? Yeah. So I, I still am a passive investor, Kent. I still, you know, we, we've created a passive portfolio, so it mm -hmm. covers our basic expenses. And I will say that that includes, uh, we have a couple short-term rentals here in Asheville, North Carolina that my wife operates. So, you know, if you're getting started, I think that's a phenomenal area is short-term rentals. Um, you know, we have a portfolio built of, of multifamily, of self-storage. Um, some of those investments include uh, things like car washes and Bitcoin mining funds. So a lot of stuff that helps us optimize not only our cash flow but also um, our tax burden, but we also are active in these investments as well. So we have um, a single family development that my wife and I, our, our partners on here just outside of Asheville, like literally just across the line, um, south of Asheville. Um, again, I mentioned we operate, you know, the short-term rentals here. We have an office building in downtown Asheville um, that we're, we actively participate in. And then with our syndications, we're, act, we're also active in those as well. So when it was just me and my one partner starting out, we kind of did a little bit of everything. And now I focus more on, on the underwriting of the assets, working with investors, um, you know, as well as trying to figure out, you know, the capital structure and you know, what, what our firepower can be and what we can really go after from an acquisitions perspective. Gotcha. So you're kind of a mix of both. You have a passive portfolio, yeah. which has allowed you to Absolutely. have that freedom, it sounds like. And now with that freedom, yeah. you've, you've gotten more active and, and now you're actively involved in, in projects as well. It sounds like you're doing some pretty interesting things. So I think that that's also yeah. a great message. Are fun. Just, yeah, it is fun, right? And you have that passive base that kind of gives you that security, 
right? And, and you've spread that, it sounds like, across different asset classes, not just multifamily storage. And you mentioned other things as well. So I just, I think that's a great approach. I mean, I think, I really think it's a great approach. I think you're kind of set your base, you've got your living expenses taken care of, and that gives you the freedom to now go and do kind of pursue whatever you want, which sounds like some developments and office buildings, some other different things. Right. So, uh, I mean, I, I think it's a fantastic story. So um, just thinking about, you know, how folks, I mean, the, the theme of this has kind of been, you know, how do we short circuit that process? How do we get folks there faster? Yeah. I mean, what, what's your recommendation if somebody is looking to make their first investment now, maybe they're, they're looking to become a passive investor. I mean, how, how should they start? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, you know, the next level income strategy, if you will, is we talk about first make as much money as you can. So first off, are you maximizing the amount of money that you are making in your career and your business? So really focus on that first. You know, people like to jump ahead and say, hey, I'm going to start investing. If you can invest in your business or your career and time and you can increase your earnings 50 to 100%, that's, that is going to be the lowest hanging fruit. The next thing you should do is optimize your tax strategy. Now, I know you asked me basically, like, what's your first step before investing, but, or, you know, as you learn to invest, but mm -hmm. if you're leaving, say, $50,000 on the table because you're paying too much in tax because you're not utilizing a, a proper tax strategy, well, I mean, that's, that's a lot of money that you could use to make another investment or increase your investment. So make sure you have a tax strategist, not just like a, a, a accountant that you send your receipts to at the end of the year. Then when you're ready to formulate a plan, figure out what your basic expenses are, what your risk tolerance is. So again, some people may say, well, Chris, I like, I'm happy trading and that's a good strategy for me. You know, you and me, Kent, maybe, maybe we don't like that strategy so much, but educate yourself enough to figure out what areas make sense for you. Do you like short-term rentals? Do you like multifamily because of the stability, you know, that multifamily has, do you like some things that are higher cash flow? Like we've, you know, we, um, uh, car washes are, are something that we started investing in briefly in the past year because they're, they're higher cash flow, but they're also a business, not just a real estate place. You have to be conscious of that. Mm -hmm. Once you decide on what sector makes sense for you, then go out and find a partner. What I mean is find somebody that you can invest with that also shares a similar strategy. So when we made our first multifamily investment, you know, the gentleman that I got introduced to what he, what he said from a, a strategic perspective really resonated with me because he followed the same data that I did and it made a lot of sense for me. So I asked mm -hmm. him a lot of questions. I said, yeah, I'd be comfortable investing my money with them and in the same areas of the country. And then talk to a couple of others, make sure they can answer your questions, make sure they have a track record. You know, they have successes, they have failures that they can learn from. And then once you have gone through that process and this doesn't have to take you a full year, like it did me, you can, you can do this in a month or two. Um, once you have that in place, then decide how much you do invest over what time period to achieve your goal. And when you have that plan in place, then start to execute it on a, say a, a yearly or a quarterly basis and, and stick to it. Don't be like, Hey, I'm going to invest in one deal and see how it works out years. That's really not going to get you anywhere. You have to have a plan. You have to have the right partners, and then you have to have the discipline to consistently invest. And that's going to allow you to actually create a meaningful stream of passive income. Yeah. I mean, I like that. That's, that's simply laid out. And I, the, the point you mentioned first, I, I think is often overlooked because I think people get excited about new opportunities, but maximizing 
I guess I, I've had this conversation with a couple people over the past few weeks of folks that run successful businesses but are interested in real estate, and it, and I've said the same thing to them. I, I said, look, you know, you can, you of course can go and start investing on your own in real estate, and and you're learning something new from scratch, right? And the time that you're doing yeah. that is not time you're going to be focusing on building your already successful business, or you could really double down on just focusing on building your already successful business and taking it, you know, higher and higher and higher and creating more income and then also investing in real estate at, at the same time. And I think, and I, I think, you know, entrepreneurs like to have control, right? Some of it's probably a control yeah. thing. I think some of it's just the excitement of, of doing your own deal. But I think the, the, I just, I agree with you. It's like, if you have something that's already going well, something that you're already an expert in, and you can really maximize that. I mean, that's going to be, like you said, your lowest hanging fruit. And so I think that that's a really important thing for people to think about is, you know, if you're doing like when I was a consultant, I used to, I used to tell clients this, I can have this analogy. I would actually like draw these two circles on the whiteboard and it'd be like one with an arrow, like going way up one arrow, right. And the other with like 20 arrows that are all kind of small. And it's like, you can either go really far in one direction or you can, you can go an inch in 20 different directions, right. You can't, you can't yeah. do both. And so I, I think like, that's the point is you have to be able to Great focus. Point. You have to be able yeah. to focus. And if you've already got something that's going well, like make sure you're maximizing that first. Right. And yeah. because yeah. there are ways to invest passively in other things. So it's, you got to decide if it's something, is it your highest and best use, I guess is the right way to say it, to go into something else. And maybe, maybe it is, but I don't think it is until you've already really maximized what you've got going. And then I thought your, your take on taxes uh, as a, as a starting point, kind of a second step, I, I think is a good point because it really does impacts so much of what we do in, in real estate, right? And yeah. I think that if you're leaving, if you can make smart investments that are also tax advantaged, and like you said, if you're leaving 50K on the table, I mean, that that's the lowest hanging fruit because you already had it, you already made it, right? It's just, how do you right. avoid giving it away? And I think yeah. that's, that's super impactful as well for people. And if you have that extra 50K and then you can actually go invest that, well, then what does that do for you? Then it starts to compound. And so I think that's a, uh, Really great step. I'm, I'm glad that you shared that approach. I, I think that's thoughtful for people and, and probably starts a couple steps ahead of where we usually start, which is like, you know, find somebody to invest with or find a partner or, or learn as well. So yeah. yeah, I think, you know, well, well said. And, and as a corollary to that, if you're listening, you're like, well, hey, Chris, I want to go become an operator. What better way to learn how to be a great operator than invest with a great operator that you can then learn from, learn the mistakes? Because those operators we initially invested with, we, we learned, we learned from their mistakes. Mm -hmm. So if you do invest regardless, you know, even though we say it's passive, try to take an active role in the learning and understanding what people are doing well and what they could be doing a little bit better. Yeah, that that's fantastic. And I just continue to mirror our journeys. That's exactly what I did as well. I mean, I started in 2015, passively investing with, with other people as I was doing kind of that other stuff on the side on my own. Um, and it wasn't until 2019 where I, I actually led my first, my first syndication and bought some large multifamily. So it was like the three year, three and a half years of learning in that process. And, and there were some 
some great learning moments. There were some capital calls that happened and said, okay, well, I don't want to, I won't want that to happen to me. So how do I avoid that? Right. There was bad communication that occurred. It's like, well, that doesn't feel very good. So how do we avoid that? Right. There, there are a lot of lessons learned, um, I think through that process. And so really good tips, Chris, I, I appreciate you bringing these up. Um, before we let you go today, I want to take you through our keys to success round. And I've got four right. questions I want to ask you. The first one is, I think, right up your alley. If you were going to invest your money with somebody else in their deal and you could only ask them one question, what would that one question be? Wow. That's uh, so I think, you know, we, we just kind of talked about this. You learn more from your mistakes than you do from your successes, right? Um, and I think really important right now in this phase of the real estate cycle, because things have been going so well for so long. Yeah, we had COVID, there were some blips, but you know, mm -hmm. multifamily especially came back stronger than ever. Ask whoever you're investing with, hey, what's, like, what's the biggest struggle? Like, what's the point that almost broke your business? And how have you changed your business and your strategy to be bulletproof to those mistakes in the future? Yeah, that, that's a really good one. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. You learn more from your mistakes than than, than you do from your wins, and so I think I, think I love that's that really question powerful. too. When an investor asks me, yeah, yeah, I, th I think it also shows hopefully like how transparent are they? You know, if they say, oh well, exactly. we've never had anything bad happen, then they either haven't been doing it very long or or they're not being yeah. very transparent. So yeah, multifaceted. Yeah. What are you most proud of in your career? Ooh. Um, so I, uh, I took a lot of pride in being a father. Um, my father passed away when I was young, when um, I was five years old. And, you know, I, I always say, you know, I want, I want to operate in a way that my boys will look at me when today and when they're older and say that they're proud, that they're proud of me as a father in the way I did. So whenever I'm looking to make a decision in business, you know, I say, okay, would my boys be proud of this decision if they, if they knew about this? And most proud of is that every decision that I've made, I can tell them about, and I feel like they would be proud of that. That's awesome. Yeah. What's a book that everybody should read? So this is going to be a little diversion away from uh, the financial realm. And, you know, people who know me probably think like, wow, Chris is like, you know, he's a financial fanatic, but I'm actually more passionate about one thing, even more than finances. And that's health because, you know, money can buy you some time and it can help improve your health. But if you do not have your health, you're going to, you're going to want to focus on that. Um, I love the book Lifespan uh, by David Sinclair, and he's got a great roadmap. And really, I'll give you a sneak peek into it. David Sinclair believes that aging is a disease. It's not inevitable and we can reverse it. So if you want to really make an impact on the world, just think what you could do if you could extend your life from 80 to 120 years. And you could have a massive impact on the world if you, if you're able to do that. Interesting. I'll have to check that out. I haven't heard of that. And then last but not least, Chris, what is your number one key to success? Yeah. So my number one key to success is you need to be curious and humble. So you need to always be learning and you always need to be looking in the mirror, analyzing and be open to criticism and to ways that you can improve yourself. And again, I think this goes back towards, you know, being a father, you know, we're, we're giving our children advice. We're trying to educate them. If you have somebody in your life that is a coach, that's somebody that's holding you accountable, helping to push you and give you feedback so you can continually improve. And that's something 
you know, that I've tried to implement, whether it's, you know, as an athlete, as uh, a business owner, um, or even as a husband and father working with professors to help uh, improve my relationship, both with my wife, as well as my children. Uh, well, great advice, Chris. Appreciate you taking us through the, taking us through those rounds and answering those questions. And if people want to learn more about what you're doing, if they want to learn uh, more about your business, you know, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, check us out at nextlevelincome.com. I mentioned earlier, you can get a free copy of our book there. You can check out our podcast or blog. If I've touched on something and you want to reach out directly to me, feel free to email me at chris at nextlevelincome.com. Cool. With that, Chris Larson, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for sharing your path, your journey, and giving us some tips, helping people reach financial freedom. And we hope you have a great rest of the day. Kent, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for everything you do here and for your audience. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Ritter on Real Estate. Hit the subscribe button to make sure you don't miss out on the content that will make you a better investor. Also, visit kentritter.com for articles, videos, and tools curated just for passive investors. Until next time, this is Kent Ritter with Ritter on Real Estate. Now go out and invest like a pro.